Good morning, Norris Ferry Church family. How about this? Our first ever broadcast of our service. It's not under the best conditions, but you know what? Sometimes we learn a lot of new things when we're put in places that we're not used to being in. They say necessity is the mother of all kinds of inventions, and so here we are. Uh, let me just start by saying that what, what I really hope, what we as a staff and elders really hope, is that this is still a very important time of worship, uh, a time of worship for you and your family. Uh, if you're not married and you don't have a family here with you, then you know it's up to you what you're comfortable doing, but maybe you gather some people from your church family. But... If you're here this morning with your, with your spouse and with some friends or with your children, I just encourage you as much as possible to, to let it be a real time of worship. As I was thinking about this, uh, what, what in the world is God up to with, with all this? It's so surreal, isn't it? I mean, it's just kind of crazy. And, and it's not really for me personally and my family. We're not really afraid as much as we are just kind of, this is crazy. And so I just kind of been thinking, what is God up to? What, what, what good may God want to come from this? And, you know, I don't know if I have a, a direct word from the Lord, but the thing that I keep thinking of, and then right before I came here this morning uh, to prepare this, Dana mentioned something very similar, and I thought, okay, maybe that is what it is. But maybe God is just giving us a worldwide Sabbath. Uh, when, what is a Sabbath? A Sabbath is a time to rest and remember God and his faithfulness to us. How cool would it be over the next month, if you have kids and their routines are, the sports have been put on pause, all the activities have been put on pause, uh, even church activities have been put on pause, and God has given you a pause to, to take the electronics other than in time to, to have worship, take your phones, put them on pause for a minute, and just spend time with your kids and with the Lord. And I really think the Lord may have a great, great idea here in store for us to just kind of have a Sabbath, a season of, of pause and spend some quality time with your family or with your friends, with some loved ones, but not just kicking it back and relaxing, but with the Lord in His Word. And, and just be creative with it. Look at what maybe God might teach you in this time. Uh, I'm really excited about this morning. Uh, we, we've paused uh, because we're trying to give people space so we, don't, uh, so we protect the healthiness of our community and our church family. Uh, but on, as you know by now, if you're listening to this at 9 a.m., we're very close to 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We're going to put the link uh, out here of the sermon on our website so you can go. You can go on Facebook and find it and play it and, and, if, and just have a great time of worship. And today, we had already planned this before we uh, had to suspend gathering together, but Mickey, uh, God had it set up so that Mickey would bring this service, a message from the Word about having faith, and not fear. And he's going to really encourage us in this time of the word to see how God's word encourages us to live by faith and not fear. So if you have to pause it for a minute, pause it, gather your family, prepare your hearts, and, and let's, let's listen to what the Lord has to say to us this morning uh, through his word. Let me just prepare us uh, with, with a time of prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for this uh, season to, to just push pause 
in life with all the craziness, all the activities, and to hear from you, to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ in smaller gatherings uh, with our families, to open your word, and to think deeply, think deeply about you and, and your word and how your word addresses our fears so that in the midst of the fear that the world is living in, may you equip us this morning to live by faith and not by fear. So Lord, as, as Mickey comes and brings us the word, would you just bless him? Would you just bless the word of God that he opens up for us? And would you comfort all who hear this message? Would you exalt Christ as our Savior? And would you just give us the grace we need to live in faith and not in fear in these days? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Norris Ferry Church family. My name is Mickey MacDonald. My wife Nancy is here with me and Pastor Tracy, but none of y'all are. And I'm, I'm, I'm saddened by that. Um, I'm only slightly less nervous, however, that y'all are not here. Nancy and I have been blessed to be members of Norris Ferry Church for about 11 years. We host the Connection Group in our home where we have met many of you over the years. We've also led and co-led community groups, including the Foundations Group. I've been privileged to be an elder here at Norris Ferry for about a year now. Pastor Tracy had invited me to serve as an elder several years ago, but I declined at the time, thinking that I really didn't have much to offer. Now, Tracy was persistent, telling me that my age and life experiences could add some perspective to our church leadership. I was still wavering, but he finally closed the deal by telling me, besides, you'll never have to preach. Why am I speaking to you today? Well, I confess to being something of a news junkie. Current events, politics, business and investments, sports, all interest me. And lately, I've observed what seems to me to be an extraordinarily high level of fear that's gripped our country and the world at large. I mentioned that in our most recent elder meeting as a possible prayer list item. Tracy said it would make an interesting sermon topic and that I should be the one to do it. And you just can't tell Tracy no. Fear is defined as a strong and unpleasant emotion caused by an expectation or awareness of danger uh, or an anxious concern. Some synonyms might be panic or terror. And worry is an active response to fear. It's what we do when we're fearful. But Jesus speaks to worry throughout Scripture, as we'll see. Some people say worry doesn't solve anything. I don't know about that because 99% of the stuff I worry about never happens. So maybe it does work. Where does fear come from? The first mention of fear in the Bible is found in Genesis 3, the, the story of the fall of man. After Adam and Eve's disobedience, they hid from God. When God called out to Adam and said, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. So I think we can conclude that fear originated in a lack of trust or faith in God. It seems to be now a part of the natural man to experience fear. But Paul writes in 2 Timothy 
that we, Christians, have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. Paul is there telling us what the opposites of and cure for fear and worry are. So is fear a sin? Well, in researching for this talk, I read several different opinions on that question. It, it, it seems to me it depends on the circumstances. Fear given to us for our immediate self-preservation is a good gift from God for our safety. However, if we find ourselves failing to trust God as Adam did and then feel fear, we can know for sure that that fear is a sin. Now, God has given us the discernment to know which type of fear is which. Often when we feel like we've lost control of our lives, we become fearful. It's at such times that we have to remember that God is in control, and moreover, he is good. To ignore that is very likely a sin. So what are some of the common fears that afflict people today? And what does Scripture offer us to to help deal with them. I believe if we immerse ourselves in the Bible and make it a part of our daily lives, it will go a long way towards relieving or even eliminating our fears. The first fear I want to talk about is the fear of who our, who our leaders are going to be in our government. It seems these days that election campaigns are never-ending, but certainly during a presidential election year, we're inundated by divisive and negative rhetoric. Often the, the strategy casts one's opponent as dangerous to the country and even to the individual voter. Incumbents are blamed for things outside of their control, like diseases or storms. It will be the end of life as we know it if so-and-so is elected. It's not sufficient to have an agenda of their own. The candidate must make the voter be afraid of the opponent. Campaigns will actually attempt to use fear as a motivator for voting in a certain way. Now, for some non-Christian people, government is their God. They look to government for their security and provision. It is those type of people who are most susceptible to that type of fear. Unfortunately, that group comprises a significant part of our country, but especially in our mainstream media. What we read, see, and hear affects us too, and fear can be contagious. But what does Scripture tell us about our government and its leaders? In Romans Paul writes, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. In other words, God is sovereign in all the affairs of man, putting our leaders in place in order to accomplish his will. Sometimes God even purposes evil men, which we see in other places in the Bible. For instance, in Exodus... Moses is, is instructed to tell Pharaoh, but I raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Also, God put the, the kings of early Israel in place, but many of them were indeed wicked. He used these leaders to discipline Israel, to cause them to repent and turn back to him. 
We know that God's will will be accomplished, that he sometimes uses bad things for good, but that all that he does reflects who he is, and God is love. In 1 Peter we read, Humble yourselves, casting all your anxieties on God, because he cares for you. Why would we not cast our anxieties or fears on God? Our pride in admitting that some things are out of our control and are unmanageable by ourselves. I think these elections are largely out of our control. So do not allow fear to, in, to influence you, but trust God. Now please understand, I'm not suggesting that Christians should not be informed voters. On the contrary, we should try to determine which candidates' ideas, plans, personal history, and faith life most closely align with our own. I believe God wants us to be involved, but we should never be fearful of the outcome of elections. I myself have lived under 13 presidents, countless senators and congressmen, governors, local officials. Our country has survived and prospered throughout. Our God is in control. Do you believe that? If you do, then you will not fear the outcome of elections. Second fear that I identified, uh, or at least wanted to talk about this morning, is social acceptance. Many people fear rejection and isolation. They desperately seek the approval of others. This fear manifests itself in many ways, including materialism, groupthink, identity politics, Sadly, some will even deny Christ in an effort to fit in with the secular crowd. Paul has much to say about this. In Galatians, he writes, If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. And in Romans, anyone who serves Christ in righteousness is pleasing to God and approved by men. There was a pastor at a 1,000-member church who was asked how he could keep all of those members pleased. He replied that he was only trying to please Christ, an audience of one, and that in doing that he knew he would please the church body. There's a new thing these days, or at least it's new to me. Of course, I'm just an old guy who's pretty much out of touch with the new things. It's called FOMO, the fear of missing out. My teenage granddaughter explained it to me recently. It's that there's something interesting or exciting happening somewhere, and I'm not there. Apparently, this is a product of social media. People who suffer from, from this fear can feel isolated or lonely. That fear of being alone is very real for many people. We need to remember that during every moment of our lives, God is with us and that he truly cares for us. In Isaiah, we read, When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. In Christ, we're actually adopted into God's family. We are children of God with all of our Christian brothers and sisters. And John writes on that point, But to all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. We have the confidence of our place within this family. We have the approval of God through Christ's righteousness. 
We do not have to strive for acceptance or fear rejection. We can rest in his love for us. The third fear that I wanted to talk about was concerning wealth and security. It's hard to imagine that anyone has not taken notice of the financial turmoil in the world today. Stock markets are in disarray. Supply chains uh, throughout the world have been disrupted. Interest rates on government bonds are at all-time lows. This week, there were automatic trading halts of stocks which exist to try to keep there from being a full-fledged panic. And that hadn't happened in over 20 years. Virtually all of the so-called experts consider this to be a fear-driven crisis, especially here in the U.S. because our underlying economy remains strong by almost all measures. There is actually a measure of fear in the markets called the, the VIX, the volatility index, that is up sharply in the last few days. So this fear in the markets is a very real thing. Now, I've lived through financial panics before. The oil price shocks in the early 70s, the flash crash of 87, dot-com uh, bubble burst in 2000, and the financial crisis in 2008. Okay, not the one in 1929. So maybe my age and life experiences do count for something because while each one had different characteristics, fear was common to all. We just did not know what the future held for us, and we were afraid. But we survived all of those, and we prospered. In retrospect, the fear was unwarranted, as I suspect it is this time. Surely we can learn from looking back at these events and our reactions to them. What is threatened by all this is people's wealth and, tragically, their sense of security. If a person has placed their faith in their wealth, then their fear is probably well justified. They have built their home on a foundation of sand. We believers, on the other hand, have built our homes on the rock that is Christ Jesus. What does Scripture tell us about wealth and security? Paul writes in 1 Timothy, For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. Two men were at the funeral of a very wealthy man, a mutual friend of theirs. One asked the other, How much do you think he left? The other replied, All of it, of course. In Mark 4, we find Jesus explaining the parable of the seeds, and he says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the, 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 the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Paul also writes in 1 Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who, is, who richly provides us with everything. I think today we are seeing just how uncertain our wealth really is. Jesus spoke to the dangers of valuing wealth over him when he told of the rich young ruler who would not sell his possessions and accept the offer to follow him. Jesus said the young man went away very sad 
our wealth will not bring the joy offered us through faith in Jesus Christ. Finally, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his followers, So do not worry, saying, What will we eat or what shall we wear? The pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these will be given you as well. Let's not fall victim to this fear of the loss of wealth and the illusion that our security lies with anything other than Jesus. Lastly, the news today is just dominated by the outbreak of the newest coronavirus. While much is still unknown about this pathogen, the danger is very apparent. It appears that older people, over 60, kind of like me, and those with underlying health issues have the greatest chance of contracting the illness and even dying from it. Now, I'm most certainly not an expert on this virus. Let us just stipulate that it is serious and that we need to follow the CDC guidelines as to our behaviors, such as social distancing like we're doing this Sunday. Self-quarantine when ill, hand-washing, not touching our faces, and so on. But what's really piqued my interest is the fear or panic that's ongoing throughout the world and what it reveals. I don't believe that the fear of sickness is causing this panic. Almost everyone has had a respiratory illness before, but I, in fact, believe it's the fear of death. This fear of death reveals much about our faith in God and whether we believe his promises. Now, what can Scripture teach us about death? Death is the final outcome of living in a fallen world. Solomon says, it's the destiny of every man. For the secular, unbelieving world, their goal is the preservation of one's physical life at all costs because there's no hope of eternal life. Secular people trust in secular power in facing this crisis. The world denies the resurrection of Jesus, which is the basis of our faith. When the world denies the resurrection of Jesus, it also denies the resurrection of man. Therefore, death is final, devoid of hope. There's only despair and emptiness. Fear and worry make perfect sense for them when the prospect of near-term death arises. Hebrews 2.15 speaks of the fear of death that haunts the unbeliever. To me, haunting implies an unrelenting discomfort or fear as memories of past sins compound the finality of life. And what a sad state of being that is. But I believe that is the reason for the panic that we're seeing in the world today. While death is our mortal enemy, Jesus conquered death when he rose from the grave and will destroy death forever when he returns. Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians. He says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
For the Christian, death is not punishment because our sins have already been forgiven. Paul writes in that most famous of verses, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We will stand before God with Christ's righteousness and be judged as holy and acceptable by him. So we shouldn't shouldn't view uh, death with fear but with joy at the prospect of going to be with Christ. Jesus speaks to death in a most reassuring way in John 11 when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Because we believe this promise, the Christian's goal in life is obedience to and love for God and faithfulness to him in every circumstance. We have no reason to fear, no reason to panic. Our life, a new life with Jesus, will continue on into eternity. I can't think of a better opportunity to tell someone about Jesus than when they're expressing their fears, especially about sickness and dying we can offer them the way to assurance through faith in Christ when things are going well for people they frequently feel no need for a savior this crisis though makes everyone realize their own mortality and to think about what's next please let's not pass up this opportunity to share the gospel with the fallen world So, in conclusion, do you trust in the sovereignty and goodness of God? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. May it never be said that God's people are governed more by fear than by faith. Do you believe the promises of Jesus? Fear and worry accomplish nothing. Jesus said, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? We're not alone to deal with this. Jesus said, surely I am with you to the end of the age. What would God have us do in the face of this panic? Our world needs steadfast people of faith who will declare that God is in control. Let's not allow the voices of fear to drown out our faith. We can impact this culture with a courageous faith. We must pray that God will use this crisis to create a global spiritual awakening where people turn to Jesus Christ in faith. Let's pray. Father God, you have revealed your unending, unconditional love for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us take heart in that and stand firm in the face of this crisis, relying on your word for our strength and security, helping us to grow ever closer to you. We know that the worst that can happen to us in this life leads to the best that can happen to us. Our transition to a new life in heaven with you, therefore we fear not. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Well, I sure am thankful for that word, Mickey, and I'm thankful that the Lord orchestrated this whole thing that, that Mickey would be the one bringing this message with uh, just his experience in life and just walking with the Lord all these years is such a blessing to have him bring the word. So what do we do now? Well, what we really hope, as I said earlier, is that you will really make this a wonderful time of worship with your family or your church family, whoever you've gathered with. And just to help you do that, the tools we've given you are just like we do every week. On Thursdays, Kevin is sending out our newsletter called This Week at Norris Ferry. And so take that, open it up, and there's songs that uh, have been prepared that, that Granger, our worship leader, has planned for the service. And they're prepared for you. You can click the link um, that, that goes to the song. You can listen to the song as, as a community, as a church gathering, and just worship the Lord and then move into the questions that are in that guide and, and just walk through those questions and adapt them to whatever, whatever group. If maybe we're their children, you've got to adapt it. But how great would it be that if, if you just think about all of our church and maybe you brought some friends, invite your friends as you get comfortable uh, to your home to do this with you. And how great would it be if we just had some incredible time of worship as the church scattered I'm really excited to see what the Lord's going to do through this. I know the Lord is up to good. That's one thing we know for sure. So God bless you. Have some great time of worship. And let's see what God's going to do through all this.